listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with Fish on Ted and now the new podcast, Drift Boat Pro. I want to thank everybody for listening in today. Uh, we've got a great guest that'll join us here in just a second. If you look at your calendars, uh, we're recording this on May 31st of 2020. Now, well, hopefully, if those some people listen a year later, two years later, they'll go, wasn't that about the time the pandemic was started uh, winding down? And yes, it is. Um, the fishing industry nationwide when it comes to sports fishing and guided fishing and charters and that sort of thing has been pretty much shut down the last couple months and it's uh, been kind of a scary time it uh, kind of realigns everyone and um, you know it's uh, we're right in the midst of it but it seems like things are getting better now and they're opening up going fishing and which we're just excited about and um, so anyway that's where we're at on a timeline basis today I have got a guest Jason Hayes and I won't steal his thunder but I'll ask and see if Jason's there. Jason, are you on the line? I'm here. Hey, welcome, Jason. How are you, man? Great. Good to hear your voice again, Ted. <laughs> well, and likewise, and likewise. It, uh, it's been fun getting to know you over the last couple of years, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, fishing with you and, and uh, you know, just uh, maybe uh, uh, having breakfast or something sometime to shake your hand in person. But uh, that, that time is coming. So, Jason, um, you, you're you really active in the industry. You manufacture uh, wooden drift boats. You're a river guide in Oregon. It sounds like Idaho now. And um, are a real strong advocate for drift boating in, in general. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. The, the name of your company is? Um... Hayes Custom Wood Boats. Okay, and and you're located in Springfield, right? Springfield, Oregon, on the on the infamous or famous uh, McKinsey River, right? Correct. Yeah, we're just we're right in Cedar Flat, just outside of the Thurston area in Springfield. Just as it's basically the gateway to the McKinsey River. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, how in the world did you ever get involved, or so heavily involved, in building drift boats, Jason? Well, I decided I wanted to start guiding years and years ago. It was it was over 20 years ago now that I decided I wanted to start guiding, and and um, I was working as a millwright at the time, and and um, had access to um, all the welding supplies and stuff like that. And I was researching um, uh, plans for drift boats and wanted to build my own. I didn't want to just go out and you know, buy one, I figured, ah, I'm just going to build my own, and was researching, I came across a site that was, um, it was Greg Tapman Boats, Yeah, uh, they were out in Springfield at the time, and um, there were wooden boats, and uh, they just, uh, they blew me away, and I had always been a woodworker growing up, and and um, decided to buy a kit, I said, I'm, I, I'm a woodworker, I need to have a wood boat. And um, so I built my first wood boat and, and uh, just kind of fell in love with the process and, and started designing my own after I had 
had built my first kit and um it just kind of blossomed from there and and over the years gained some traction and notoriety and and um here we are today wow so how many how many boats have you built so far in your career do you can you even count them <laughs> no <Really? laughs> no it's been it's been fairly sporadic you know life throws you uh all kinds of curveballs over the years and, and uh-huh. uh, you lose some traction and then you gain it again and um it wasn't until about oh i think i think it was about four or five years ago when my my uh wife encouraged me to just get a business going a legitimate yeah. business and um and and start branding it and that's what we've been doing over the last couple of years and it's it's gained a lot of traction i i uh, lately i've been having to turn away business because i'm too busy and um, and don't have the help that i need in the shop so i'm i was apprenticing with my brother for a little bit and teaching him the ropes and and uh, i ended up losing him a couple of months ago and so I'm I'm kind of back in the market for bringing somebody in to train up and and uh, help me with the load in the shop while while I'm out guiding. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of it's kind of funny that you know you, you love building drift boats, but you also love being on the river too. So you got to have somebody to help support the business while you're out on the river. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah those... kind of it pulls it pulls you in a million different directions. That's for sure. And, uh, I, can't, the, I... I can't give one up for the other, so I, I'm I'm stuck with both of them. <laughs> well, you have to have both of those passions to build a boat. I mean, it it isn't something that you can put together in eight hours' time in your garage. And um, at least when I built the boats that I did um, back in the '90s, you know, you're always sitting out there and. And, uh, you know, you're screwing things together or you're gluing some stuff. And all you're thinking about is getting this boat on the water to go chase some fish, you know. And uh, uh-huh. it, uh, it, 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 you know, it becomes a, a it becomes a obsession, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, there's, there's a fine line there between spending too much time in the shop and neglecting your family, too. <laughs> it's, yeah. That can be a tough one. <laughs> Uh, yes. but yeah, yeah, definitely that there's a balance there that you have to find and, and, um, it's, it's definitely not an easy thing to do sometimes, but yeah. And it's, it's kind of a funny business model too, because you know, you're, you're trying to promote wood boats and, and, uh, then during the guidance season when you're out on the water, well, it seems like everybody needs work done on their boats and they weren't proactive enough to get it done in the off season. And, and now they want it now. And it's like, gosh, so you're trying to oh. juggle, you know, your guiding schedule along with getting somebody's repair work or refinish work in and, and things yeah. like that. So it would really help to have some extra help in the shop and, sure. uh, when it, when it comes to that, but you know, it's still, it's a fairly new business and we're kind of trying to feel it out. And, um, but as far as just well, last, yeah. uh, 2019 had eight boats come through the shop. Uh, wow. No along kidding. With a, along with a full-time job and, and building a business and guiding. So wow. good uh, for you. Man. It was, it was a busy year and, and this year is, uh, shaping up to look about the same even with the economy kind of in a 
in a in a tough spot. We're still getting a lot of inquiries and and uh, uh-huh. and a lot of business coming in. So. Uh, so, so I've got I've got a question for you. Um, you know, you you get somebody that calls you and they're saying, you know, Jason, I love the look of a wood boat, and uh, you know, it's really nostalgic. The, these things are like works of art. You know, uh, floating work works of art. They're just absolutely beautiful when you have a wooden boat. Um, but um, you know, obviously, there's uh, other boats out there that are you know made of composite or aluminum and there's choices in the market. In regards to somebody that's looking for a drift boat for them to use, um, do you have a certain criteria that you kind of go through with somebody to determine if a wooden boat is right for them? Uh, Absolutely, you know, you want to find out, you know, do they have it, first of all, you want to know what their their needs are, you know, and Mm it's, is a wood boat just something that they really admire, and um, are they are they are they willing to um, do the work to keep them up, or do they do they want to have somebody do that work for them? I mean, there's plenty of people like that as well too. I mean, I build mm-hmm. I build boats for some guides that, you know, they don't have time to do the work on their boats themselves either, and um, they bring the business back to me, and I you know I maintain their boats for them. So. Uh, uh-huh. And that and that's all well and good, but the, then there's the the guys who, um, you know, really want. It's more of a pleasure boat and getting it out on the water a few times a year, and um, you know maybe maybe eight or nine times you know throughout the season, and and then it sits in a garage, and um, uh, those are the boats that last the longest usually. When when somebody's you know it, it has very little use. Um, it, it sits in a controlled environment when it's not in the water, um, and uh, it, it's taken very well care of. And mm-hmm. then there, you know, the other camp of guys who are super aggressive with the way that they run the river, the way they fish, the way they take care of their gear, um, all those kind of things. And and you know, a wood boat can take a beating, right? A wood boat is not for everybody. If you're not right. willing to make sure that they stay maintained, um, you get a uh, life expectancy of a wood boat. If you don't take really good care of it, it may only last you 10 years. But mm-hmm. uh, there's there's also those wood boats that were built back in the 50s and 60s that have been maintained and um you know, they they stay in a controlled environment when they're not on the river, and they're still a beautiful boat that uh, that's well taken care of, uh, and and they still look beautiful, and and they'll get another ten or twenty years out of them. Right. So, uh, it, you know, it's 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 all about whether that boat is well suited for them. There's there's a lot of guides out there that you know. They're, they spend 300 days on the water in a season, and obviously that boat, a wood boat, is probably not the right boat for that for that particular guide because mm-hmm. uh, they don't have they don't have time to do the the maintenance that a wood boat would need. Uh, and really, it's right. not a it's not a lot of maintenance, but the wear and tear that does happen and keeping them up. Um, and that that can definitely be a factor, and mm-hmm. then there's the other 
there's the other camp where um, one of the outfitters that I work for, they they basically only run wood boats. Uh, there's a couple of guides on their crew that, that run aluminum boats, um, but for the most part, they run wood boats. And a life expectancy of those boats, because of the rivers that they run and the amount of use that they have, life expectancy uh-huh. is only anywhere from two to six years, right? So wow. um, it's an operating cost for them. They they want to carry on that tradition of wood boats and um they they just wind up replacing them. It's a it's an right. business expense. It's not a big deal to them. Um, right. So, um, and most of us in that camp, we, you know, we embrace the the uh, character that a wood boat, um, the character that it it gets over the course of the years and the abuse that they get. Uh, you know, running running the Mackenzie and the Rogue River and the Middle Fork Salmon and and uh, the various rivers in the Pacific Northwest and, and, the, and, the, and the West and the Rocky Mountains and stuff, they, the, these boats get abused. I mean, we're taking mm-hmm. them on Class 3, Class 4 water constantly and just banging them on granite rocks and everything else. And, and to me, I think a wood boat, I mean, there's – I love a brand-new, fresh-built wood boat just sitting on a trailer that hasn't hit the water yet. When it comes out of the shop, it emerges out of the shop, and, and you know, that sunlight hits it for the first time, and it just it's, – it's a beautiful piece of art. But yeah, at it the is. Same time, but at the same time, that boat is, is – has a expected life of, you know – not that long when you're talking about a guide boat and mm-hmm. um, they get beat up and um you know they they get a new coat of finish every year they get the repairs done that need done things like that and um to me that character that that boat gets over the course of the years i think they become more beautiful to me i mean every single little scar or scratch and yeah and, Dent and ding that happens, um, those character marks that they that they get, um, they all tell a story, and I think mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the kind of one of those things that I guess I guess I just kind of really love the uh, the tradition behind the wood boats, and and that's one of the things that we're trying to do at Hayes Custom Wood Boats is is carry on that tradition, that guiding yeah. tradition that started back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, of guys running, I mean, this is the birthplace of the Mackenzie River drift boat. Is is it's the Mackenzie River, and right, um, and we just want to carry on that tradition, right? It's 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 nothing more than that, and and the cost of a wood boat is is nothing to to me anyhow to carry on that tradition and. Um, and see that it continues to um, carry on that history. Uh, I mean, it's it's important to me, anyhow. Right, right. So, so somebody that uh, is not a guide and and is um, you know is, is a recreational fisherman, and they're looking at uh, purchasing a boat, a drift boat. What 
what criteria should they keep in mind, uh, you know, in, in, in buying that boat? When does it become, okay, maybe a wood boat is not for you. Maybe an aluminum boat is what, um, you know, I, I, you were, I know you were mentioning the maintenance and that sort of thing, but if they wanted to take it through, let's say class three rapids, you know, Martin's rapids, like on, on the McKinsey or, uh, you know, they uh, were just planning to fish some flat water, uh, like, you know, in the lower McKenzie, uh, down around Springfield and that sort of thing. Are, are, are there certain things that you have discussions with people on kind of to determine if this is the route they should take? Um, yeah, I guess it all depends on the, the, uh, the, uh, I guess exactly what they're going to be using it for, right? Their skill uh -huh. set for one, you know, there's there's plenty of people out there who who are interested in getting into drift boating that have never learned to read water. They've never yep. they've never spent much time rowing a drift boat, um, and maybe maybe a wood boat isn't the best thing for them to start in. You know, with a brand new beautiful wood boat, maybe maybe that's not the greatest time. Uh, for me, on the other hand. Um, I, I feel like having that, and, until you learn to embrace those first scratches and dents and things and things like that, because that's a hard thing for some people to do. Is, <laughs> Isn't that uh, true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, putting that first scratch in the boat is always the hardest, right? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, with any boat, for that matter, you know, it, it could be a brand-new coffler boat with a nice paint job and you put a big yep. scratch down the side of it you know lining yep. it down the fish ladder on the rogue or something um and that's always that's always tough that first scratch or ding or den or whatever it's it's always hard but yep. um i feel like the nicer boat that you're learning in too makes you more cautious makes you makes you more <laughs> aware of your surroundings and what and what you need to do um, to navigate the river that I think it, I think you become a better oarsman um, instinctively just because of that. Uh, that that's my personal opinion, um, and uh, it doesn't mean that that's right. But uh, for me, that's uh, you know I had very little experience in in a in a drift boat. Um, maybe a couple years' experience when I when I built my first wood boat. Anyhow, it's just something that I wanted to learn, and I want I just wanted to become a river guide. It's it's something that um, appealed to me, and um, so my first time down the river in a wood boat was like way different than being in an old aluminum boat that you know was all dented up and everything else. Uh, I was much more cautious <laughs> uh, right. than I was, um, you know, with the experience that I had in other boats. So um, it was, yeah, it, it took me a long time to finally embrace, you know, hey, you know, dents and dings and scratches, they're going to happen, and, you know, there's not much you can do about it, and they're really not that hard to take care of. Uh, right slap some varnish over that scratch and 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 make it look fine or or fill that little gouge in with a little bit of epoxy and varnish over it you know it, it takes you a day to take care of it it's it's not mm -hmm. a, you know a couple more than a couple hours worth of work to 
to take care of that one little thing. And right. You you know I I discussions really with people about the dur durability of a wood boat. You know, and and these things are really built. I mean, you can smack a rock good, or you can drag it across something, and uh, um, you know it it um, it doesn't wear. I mean, I mean, it, you know, a lot of people think would think, well, gosh, that's going to become kindling. I've heard that in a number of times. We hit something hard with it, but that's really not the case. Uh, just because of the way they've been structurally built and that sort of thing, um, you know, they they can take a lick and can't they? Oh, absolutely, and, and that's one of the things that we try to do um, is uh, educate the potential customer on the type of water that they're going to be running and use the right type of woods, the right type of construction, and um, the right type of finishes for the environment that they're going to be putting that boat through. And mm -hmm. uh, you can build a fairly economy boat, um, and still be fine with whatever whatever environment you're going to put it in. Now, if you're going to be running class three, class four water and banging your boat on rocks and things like that, then maybe you want to think about upgrading to you know some some fiberglass uh, cloth over the plywood to help uh, with that impact that happens oh, uh -huh. if you do hit a rock. Um, because it, it, who wants to who wants to put a hole in the side of their wood boat, right? Right. <laughs> it, right. And, and fiberglass uh, makes a huge difference in that. It's it's obviously it's a lot more labor to do something like that. But um, speaking from experience, I I fiberglass the sides on on my last boat that I built for myself, and I banged the heck out of it on the Rogue River last year. And I didn't get anything more than scratches when I typically would have had to do some repair work on that boat. Really? Uh, for some of the hits that I actually took. So uh -huh. it's um, that you always want to know the environment the, that the boat's going in, and it also speaks to um, what somebody's budget is actually willing to spend on on um, the type of wood boat that they want. You know, so um, it, it it can vary in price dramatically just because of the amount of labor that you need to put into one. So, um, so but, so what can you know, somebody like around if, here on? Go ahead. I, I was going to say what what can people expect to pay for a wood boat? I, I know you know the sky's the limit if, if you know depending on the type of wood and and the finishing that you need to put into the boat and that sort of thing. But is there a general range of uh, of prices for a custom wood boat? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if if you're talking about a, a kind of a a cookie cutter boat that you know I've already got jigs for and um, don't have to do a whole lot of work, and the customer wants to finish that themselves, um, you know, they just want the boat built and they're going to paint it or varnish it themselves, um, which is always an option. It helps me get stuff through the shop a lot quicker if I don't have to, <laughs> if I don't have to do all the finish work. But, right. um, yeah, anywhere from $4,500 up to, you know, the sky's the limit. You know, you could, you could wind up spending, depending on what somebody actually wants, it could be up around eight, nine, ten thousand dollars 
but it all depends on how much work somebody wants put into a boat, what type of woods they want to use. Um, you know, some people get pretty crazy with what they want. You know, maybe somebody wants to have Sapili plywood, which is not in high demand. There's not a lot of resources out there in the Pacific Northwest to get it, and it's extremely expensive. It's beautiful wood, but it's it's not easily available, right? So um, that can be extremely expensive wood to use for uh, yeah. for a for a wood boat. So it's usually it, it all depends on the person, what they want, what their you know what the end result is, and um, you know it can it can range in price dramatically. But, right. Uh, and I and no, I love I'm, that. I love the variety that can happen and uh-huh. um, the different things that people come up with, and and then even the challenges that can come with some of the expectations that a customer may have too. Right. Uh, I, I love that, I, and I that's why I love doing custom boats, not just some cookie cutter boat that you know you mass produce something over and over again. I I like that variety and that. Uh, mm-hmm. that you know, one of the questions I, I hear a lot about wood boats is, and this may date me a little bit, but uh, you know, you, you, with a, with a drift boat, you're 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 fishing out of a lot of times very skinny water, very shallow water, and you're going over the top of things, and you you know you do scrape it up a little bit at, at the bottom. I mean, it's just part of the, um, the you know part of the advantage of having a wood you know a, a drift boat is getting the waters to fish that not a lot of people can get to because the waters you know so so shallow but then the question is well how you know how do you protect the bottom of your boat and back uh, what was it 30 years ago we were buying sheets of uhmw is that the same thing now um yeah and, and it all depends on the environment it's going in there's certain parts of the country that uh uhmw doesn't necessarily work well because the expansion and contraction rate of uhmw is about 300 percent to to what wood is so oh, it expands really? and contracts much more than wood and um, so you also have to be when you do select UHMW you have to make sure it's at the right temperature too when you apply it to the boat you kind of have to have a you, you want to make sure the boat has reached equilibrium to the environment that it's in and then um, attach it at a certain temperature, you know, around between 70, 75 degrees, maybe even 80 degrees, um, depending on the time of year that it's going to be used and things like that, because it expands and contracts so much that it actually does pull on the screws um, on the bottom of the wood. So um, it can loosen those screws over time. and depending on the environment, it's really not that big of a deal because uh, every few years you can turn the boat upside down. You can make sure the screws aren't loose or tighten them back down. If the, if they've backed out a little bit, you know, maybe pull the screw out, um, put a wood dowel through there with some epoxy on the end of it, and drive the screw right back down through the same hole, and mm-hmm. and fine. And mm-hmm. um, there's there's one boat in particular that I built uh, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, it's 
it belongs to a guide down in California, and he, I took the boat bottom off of that, or the UHMW bottom off of that, and checked it. It was eight or nine years after I had built the boat, and the bottom was still in just wonderful condition. It had no damage, was in great shape. Um, the holes had wallered out just a little bit, and I I filled all the holes with some some wood dowels and and um, epoxied them in and screwed the bottom back down. And um, he's owned this boat now for over 10 years, and he just pulled that off um, 10 years later after guiding down in California. Um, and the bottom still looked great. And he didn't. He only had a couple of screws that had backed out and. Um, and had broke off from trailering, and right. it was very little work for him to do that. So basically this boat's been refinished maybe three times in 20 years and still looks beautiful. Wow. Um, and uh, so so that that's a testimony right there to, to that particular boat. Of course, if, if that boat was running different water than it is right now, it probably would be in a lot different shape. But, um, mm-hmm. The water that he's running in California isn't isn't uh, very technical water. It's it's fairly um, class two at best kind of water. So, uh, uh-huh. but it gets used a lot, and it's still in great shape. And he's you know, and he doesn't. I don't even think he keeps it in that controlled of an environment. He just he keeps it out of the sun and he keeps it out of the weather. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a that's a big deal right there, um, just because those are the two worst things that you can do to a boat is keep it out in the weather, and keep it in constant sunlight because that's what's right. going to break down. Um, right. So when you're not using it, keep it covered and and uh, keep it dry, and they'll mm-hmm. last a lifetime. Yeah. Yes, they will. And and you know, and the, and the darn things turn heads, man. You know. Uh, when, when, when you're on the on the water going by other fishermen um, or other boats, and you've got a, a, a boat that is uh, wood that's varnished that you know just looks outstanding, it's a, it's a head turner to me. Absolutely. <laughs> you know the 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 boat I built back in the early '90s. I uh, I instead of varnishing it, I put a, a seafoam green color. On it, so so it was a much lighter green than the traditional, you know, forest green that you see a lot of the boats use. But I did use the um, the the forest green as the uh, accent color to I forget what that's called on the side of the drift boat, the the scratch guard or something like that. And so it, it it's a rub it, guard, yeah, 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 rub guard. And so anyway, it, I, I I had a lot of people would come up and we talk about the boat and, and that sort of thing. It, it was a you know, it was a very pretty boat and, and liked it a lot. And so one day in particular, I was up on the McKenzie and, and uh, we had uh, uh, gotten through our float and we were headed back home and we were out around, uh, you know, the cemetery there on uh, the uh, Main Street in Springfield, if you know where that is, you know. And I just kept having people pass me and wave at me, you know. And it was, it was really kind of cool, you know. I was thinking, wow. People really like the boat, you know, and I'll bet between there and the 7-Eleven, if you know where that is, I had like 15 people come by and wave at me, you know, and I'd always wave back and, <laughs> and um, we, uh, we wanted to get something to drink. So we pulled into the 7-Eleven 
and uh, a guy pulled in behind us. It was really kind of weird. And I got out and I was about ready to head into the 7-Eleven and he says, hey, sir, sir, sir. You know, I think, oh boy, I got a 15 minute conversation on my boat. And uh, he goes, do you know that you're dragging the anchor? <laughs> and and I, I had that anchor, I it didn't secure it. And it was dragging on the concrete and bouncing around like a ball. You know, it's a wonder I didn't oh, kill geez. somebody with that. But it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was funny, you know. <laughs> but again, it could have been tragic, but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so are the so are the tales of uh, of uh, fishing w with a drift boat. But if you're looking for something very nostalgic, if you you know if if, if you're going to be fly fishing the lower rivers and you know, lower parts of, let's say, the McKinsey and that sort of thing, and fly fishing under the, you know, the, the trees that, that uh, um, you know, uh, grow, grow right at the bank and that sort of thing, which is an incredible place to fish. Um, you know, a wooden drip boat, man, you can't beat it on that type of water. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, fun stuff. Well, Jason, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, how do people get a hold of you if they'd like to talk with you about your boats? Um, well, um, I have a direct line um, that I can be contacted by, 541-912-9146. Uh, uh, also, um, I, I've got a couple different social media sites, Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. And we'll have a, we'll have a uh, website up on, online this fall. We've got some pretty fun, exciting stuff coming up this fall that uh, that we're working towards. Um, awesome. Once the guide season's over, uh, we got some workshops coming up for for people wanting to learn how to build a wood boat. Uh, also, going to offer some kits, and um, and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be in and out of coverage uh, throughout the summer while I'm guiding. But um, I, I check my messages every time. Every time I get a chance, and um, people who have questions or inquiries about uh, about boats, um, I, I'm always quick to respond and let them know my availability. And um, obviously, uh, working towards getting some extra help in the shop to uh, cover that uh, that time. Uh, when I'm not available in the shop, that uh, we can we can serve those customers that that need uh, uh, a quick response too. So, very good, very good. Well, uh, I know that uh, just working with you the last couple of years, uh, you've been you know very diligent at always getting back to me. And even though you're guiding or doing you know what you're doing, sometimes I guess you're on the road and you have no connection to the world from there uh, in the middle of that trip. But uh, for the most part. You know, it, you just get back to us, uh, you know, real quick, 15 or 20 minutes if we go into, like, Facebook and ping you or something like that. So uh, you're you're an easy guy to reach, actually. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> well, my pleasure. Jason, hey, best of luck with you on uh, the 2020 season, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the river, man. All right. All right. We'll talk to you later, Ted. Thanks. Thanks for uh, Okay, having... thank you.